Well, David, it's episode 12 of Rebuilding the Black Family. Crazy. I'm so glad that we've you know, started this journey together. Agreed. And um, today we're going to look at uh, the importance of black unity. Mm-hmm. And I know that's something very dear to your heart yes. and mine, of course. Yes. Um, but before we get into that, I wanted to, um, because it's the last episode of the season and thinking about that and some of the things that you, we were discussing back and forth, yeah. I thought to go back to looking at some of the things by which we, in laying the groundwork for this, this podcast. Agreed. And yeah. one of the things was the premise Yes. And one of the things we, we laid out from the outset was our premise was this. If yeah. we don't build <laughs> our own families, our own communities, no one else will. Excellent. And then we also said as a second premise that strong, productive, successful, um, you know, it's a, um, sustainable black families will lead to a stronger community at large. Agreed. And we said that rebuilding the black family, that what we're about is changing the foundation Mm -hmm. of how we see ourselves and one another. Yes. And we'll get into some of the things we've looked at over the um, season. Mm -hmm. But also I wanted to look at, you know, uh, we also articulated our purpose. Mm -hmm. And that is we wanted to communicate truths and principles essential to building strong, productive, successful families and, and self-sufficient communities. Yes. We also wanted to provide an accurate representation of black history. Mm-hmm. We wanted to be a podcast that informs, that educates, that inspires the black family and the black nation, if you will, mm-hmm. and to promote self-governance and self-sufficiency. And I think that's in looking back at some of the things, and you've done an excellent job in, in your thank input you. and content. And I wanted to and look back. with yourself. Well, thank you. Yes. Uh, but, I also, but I wanted to make sure in um, evaluating what we've done mm-hmm. is going back and looking at our premise, mm-hmm. looking at what the, uh, the purpose was, mm-hmm. and to grade ourselves and hopefully our viewers and listeners to this podcast, which we really appreciate you, by the way, um, that you're able to look and say, well, has uh, as, have David and Carl, have they been true to what they stated was their premise, yes. their purpose, the reason for this podcast? And, and so, David, if you don't mind, can you maybe yes. just review for us, you know, the different titles and topics we've covered over this uh, first season of Rebuilding the Black Family. Beautifully said, Carl. Yeah, let's uh, let's do a recap mm-hmm. of what we've discussed during the season. So I just have it listed here. So we started off with the first episode focusing on the, you know, looking at the beauty of being black mm-hmm. and really um, challenging our viewers as well as one another of how long we could go just saying or just uttering affirmations, positive affirmations about one another, mm. about us as black people, whether it starts with us individually mm-hmm. and then transcends to our greater collective, mm. right? So that was the first episode. Um, we talked about then on the flip side of uh, talking about um, mental health, right? And talking about 
uh, schizophrenia specifically, you know, I came mm-hmm. in and, and gave a, a, a an understanding of schizophrenia, um, a mental illness in our community. So for those who haven't checked it out, be sure to check it out. You know, it may help you or even a loved one. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about fighting against self-hatred, yeah. right? Which uh, is to talk about the ramification, the consequences of racism and just the, the overall anti-African or anti-Black sentiments, mm-hmm. attitudes and racist um, policies and behaviors that mm-hmm. unfortunately affect our people worldwide on a very psychological and profoundly essentially spiritual level. Mm-hmm. We talked about black maternal health. We had mm-hmm. our beautiful guest, uh, Princilia Babua, mm-hmm. um, who's a perinatal social worker working mm-hmm. out of the uh, Taibu uh, mm-hmm. Community Health Center in Scarborough, Ontario. Okay. Uh, give her overview of her experience mm-hmm. working with black mothers um, who, you know, and, and helping to. Uh, cater to their well-being. She specifically mm-hmm. talked about the importance of recognizing the the illness, postpartum depression, yeah. right? I think it was wonderful she That's brought excellent. that up. Excellent. Uh, we talked about the true colors of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And essentially, we were talking about the controversy with the vaccine mm-hmm. mandates as well as the COVID yeah. uh, so, yeah. virus, mm-hmm. as well as the racism that man- that we well, was further magnified during the pandemic and mm-hmm. how you know the world was forced to recognize mm-hmm. that anti-black racism is alive and well. Oh, we yeah. talked about the miseducation of racism, which I think you know went hand in hand, just really trying to re-educate our viewers and listeners on what racism is mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what it essentially means for our livelihood, for our community, and how do we fight against it, um, and how do we better understand it? Mm-hmm. We talked about reconcil- reconciling the rift between black men and women. We had our yeah. wonderful guest, mm-hmm. uh, Laricia Williams, mm-hmm. who is a uh, psychotherapist in private practice, as well mm-hmm. as a child welfare social worker. Um, and she gave her overview, her experience on um, working with black men and black women from a psychological lens and Mm -hmm. really trying to understand the historical antecedents leading to the rift between black men and black women, but also how we rectify that, Mm -hmm. how we, as I said in the title, reconcile those differences, those those challenges. And I thought that was a really respectful conversation, oh, you know, and discussion that you I, had that really, I agree. Uh, at, at, at its heart, at the um, the best interest yes. of both black men and women. Excellent. I think it, I, I agree. It was a very balanced conversation. Mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. you know, her and I were able to balance out the, very, the you know, the different genders. Of course. Um, to a level that I think both genders were, were able to, mm-hmm. I guess, be done justice. Mm-hmm. Um, you gave us a beautiful, informative and inspiring overview of, uh, or, or informative lecture on why God is Black mm-hmm. is not only a controversial title, but is an empowering mm-hmm. title, is an empowering phrase. And mm-hmm. you gave an understand, a, a profound understanding of the whitewashing of the Christian religion, um, which actually has roots, um, is rooted in Africa and mm-hmm. how it's predominantly um, been based off of the global majority, black, brown, and yellow people, and mm-hmm. how it was kiboshed mm-hmm. by those of you know European descent. And you essentially just really helped black people to understand that you are not eternally doomed, that mm-hmm. your life is not endowed with simply suffering and that it mm-hmm. is um, God's will that you suffer, right? You gave a beautiful overview of that. Um, so thank you for that, you know, You're Brother welcome. Carl. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about the importance of entrepreneurship. Um, we had the, you know, Courtney. wonderful business lawyer, Courtney Fraser, who Excellent. came and gave a beautiful Very understanding good. of yeah. what why it's important to go into entrepreneurship, the pros and cons of it. Mm -hmm. He talked about business contracts um, and as well as 
how black people can begin diversifying where they invest their time in terms of what businesses they are to start and the importance of filling voids. Mm -hmm. We are ending, you know, with the last guest, uh, Eshe Simba, who gives us a very beautiful overview of black wealth and how to create it and your experience as a both financial advisor as well as life insurance agent as well as the founder of sugar plum scrubs mm. uh, she gives a, a a really nice overview of tangible takeaways or practical practical tips for black people in terms of managing money in terms of understanding the different insurance plans and here we are now ending off with all these beautiful diverse topics and speaking about the importance of black unity which i think is essentially just trying to piece everything together to mm -hmm. talk about how this creates a functioning cohesive mm -hmm. and comprehensive black community so that is the overview. Um, Fantastic. I think it was some great topics and great conversations. And, you know, as you were talking there, I thought about this, David, that any time, let's say this emphasis on the black community, black families, mm -hmm. black nation, and sometimes people, some maybe new viewers, because mm -hmm. we get new viewers all the time, mm -hmm. why the emphasis on black? Let me address that again. As mm -hmm. you're talking... Oftentimes, if something has been, got, if, if you've gone to an extreme in one end, yes, to balance it out, you have to go almost to an extreme in another end. Excellent. To balance it out. It's true. And so when we're doing this emphasis, because of the subjugation of, of uh, black people, mm -hmm. and by that, the subjugation of even our thinking, mm -hmm. our mentality, yes. uh, sometimes that's led to self-abasement, and yeah. we address some of that. Yes. Then we're going, you know, on really, in some cases, some people might say it's an extreme. We don't see it that way. Agreed. But it's all for the purpose of establishing a healthy, positive mentality about black people, who we are, our heritage, so we're not ashamed mm -hmm. of who we are, not ashamed of our roots, our heritage, uh, not ashamed of being identified with Africa. Yes. Um, because again, someone said, if you don't know your roots, yep. right, you've got to know your roots, you've got to know who you are. Yes. And so let's get to this today then, mm -hmm. David. Why is, let's talk about, well, why is black unity so important? Excellent. Let's talk there before I my part to it, but go ahead. So why is Black Uni so important? I th the best way I can sum it up, um, you know, I have a good friend of mine um, who is now a uh, police officer mm -hmm. um, for the Cornwall Police, uh, Raheem Aman. Um, him and I were having a conversation. Shout out to Raheem Aman. Um, he used to be in the military and he spoke about the, the the major premise or the major objective in the military is to move as one. And he said, if nothing else, if you cannot move as one, all, all skills and go. everything else becomes obsolete. Mm -hmm. And this is coming from somebody who's in the, mili in the who's military. Been in the military. Excellent. And he was in operations, right? So he understood what it meant to uh, have a successful military regime. And that was essentially what he said when it came to the importance of, because him and I have had these mm -hmm. conversations, why black unity is important is because when you move as one, you're unstoppable, right? So when we think of black unity, it's moving as one. Moving as one doesn't mean you fully agree with one another. You go to in the military, mm -hmm. they probably don't fully agree with one another, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. When we look at World War II, Canada, Russia, um, 
you know, Poland, all the, all the, all the different countries that fought mm-hmm. against the Germans. Yeah, the allies. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the allies mm-hmm. probably didn't agree with one another, but they moved as one. Mm-hmm. Hence why they were successful in defeating the Germans. When we as black people understand that despite our differences, despite our various um, backgrounds, when we understand fundamentally we are fighting the same enemy, we can begin to understand the importance of moving as one, being unified. So that's when I think of black unity. That's mm-hmm. what I think of. And last piece, just to, just to add another analogy, I remember in a Malcolm X speech, he talked about how if somebody slaps you with an open hand, and I may be paraphrasing, slaps you with an open hand, it may sting you for that moment. But because the fingers are disunified, it's not going to be as effective. But the minute you close up that one, all those fingers, and they unify into one big ball of a fist, and you connect with that person, the impact is so tremendous. And that analogy stuck with me because when you think about the importance of unity, it's not this far-fetched idea. It's a practical understanding, especially when you base it off of that military analogy that I put. That's also what I think of when I think of black unity and the importance of it. So like the slap when you said like this. Yes, the open hand. So it's five. I'm just five versus one together. Excellent. And I thought of this then before you continue. You cannot build anything successfully or effectively without unity. Mm. Say it again. And in fact, in in Amos uh, 3 verse 8, it says, How can two... Two, walk together unless they be in agreement. Think it's about true. that. And, and it says, you know, um, if, and even in, in a scriptural prayer, it says if two of you or three agree on earth concerning anything, they shall ask of my father, it shall be done. Power of agreement. Oh, by the way, the first kingdom, which was Nimrod, it was black, by the way. Mm-hmm. First kingdom, in, in, first recorded kingdom in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Babel. And when we get the Tower of Babel, mm-hmm. God says this. Think about this. When they were building a tower, and the, well, the language says they were building it up to heaven. Yes. That's what the, the objective was. It says, the people are as one, and nothing can stop them. Hmm. Think about that. Yeah. So God was actually saying, listen, I can't even stop them hmm. because of their unity. That's how powerful it is when you move That's as how one. Powerful unity is. Yes. And their their work, the only went when it, it stopped when their languages were changed. Mm. They couldn't, so they couldn't communicate as one, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So the yep. power of unity. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're um, we're, we're uh, we want to focus on in uh, in our time remaining. Um, so let's talk a little bit then, David. What are the things then, since unity is so important, and I yes. love the, the, your military friend's um, analogy. Yes. <laughs> Think about that. I mean, nothing is going to get done without unity. We're going nothing nowhere enough. without it. Exactly. So it's a great way to tie our season up. Um, so what are the things we must do then in order to promote our unity 
and hence um, maximize our objective. Mm -hmm. Because again, our objective is building strong, productive, successful, self-sustainable or sustainable Mm -hmm. black families, black communities, Mm -hmm. where we're really growing and strong and powerful. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I believe there are things we must um, agree on, we must come together on Mm -hmm. in order to really walk in this kind of unity. Let's talk about that. Excellent. So what I would say when it comes to black unity, uh, when it comes to anything in, in our community, mm-hmm. but you know, especially when it comes to black unity and, and trying to, I guess you could say, systemize or make it practical and, mm-hmm. and, and have it in a structure, mm-hmm. there has to be some, excuse me, uh, I guess you could call it code of conduct. Good, a code of conduct, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. As we know, with that, with in, in anything, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You go to a workplace, you go to a, a sport. You are you're on a sports team, mm-hmm. even in prison, right? Anywhere you go, mm-hmm. there is a code of conduct. And it's a fact, mm-hmm. right? I've had friends, I've had clients who've been in prison. They'll tell me, "You come into the range. This is not just yeah. free for all. Yeah. Yeah. You go to the wall, and there's a code of conduct, mm-hmm. rules in place. Our lives are structured off of rules." and codes that you have to adhere to. We, as black people, as diverse as we are, we don't have even a fundamental level, or a fundamental code of conduct that we can adhere to, especially in Canada. Some would say, well, how is that even possible? How could we even create that? We did it during slavery. Mm -hmm. That goes to my next piece. When we analyze how we can gain this level of unity, we have to analyze our history. I feel like in our community, sometimes there is a, 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 a struggle, an imbalance hmm. of being present in reality, but also understanding and internalizing our historical antecedents. There is an imbalance. There are some people who are too much in history and don't want to be present in reality. They're too much about analyzing what we used to be yeah. Yeah. rather than looking at our current condition and how we can strive to be like how we were before, but maybe even better in a different way. Then there's people who are too much in reality and don't want to look at the historical antecedents that have caused or influenced the conditions in which we are currently. And what I always try to strive to be is to be center and have a balance. So when we look at what does that mean for unity, I look at, well, we couldn't have always been as disorganized as some aspects of a community are to this day. We couldn't have got out of slavery without unity. We couldn't have got out of colonialism without unity. Couldn't have got out of segregation or any of that without unity. And when you look at, when you study history, when you look at when you, they just got off the boat as an example, they came from a plethora of different African respective cultures, mm-hmm. right? Some were Temne, some were Akan, some were uh, uh, Yoruba, mm-hmm. some were Igbo throughout, right? Some, were, uh, some spoke Lingala, mm-hmm. some spoke um, Ashanti, mm-hmm. some spoke treat all of that but you know what they did they said okay we're all enslaved i don't really understand you you don't really understand me but they don't but massa doesn't understand any of us so you know what we're going to do we're going to create a unifying language called creole in haiti Haiti, or patois right Mm -hmm. or west african pigeon we're going to create a unifying language and we're going to adhere to speaking this language amongst us. That's a code of conduct. When you are around one another, you speak in that language. When you're around master, you speak in his language. When we are in this respective environment, this is how we're going to marry. 
When our children come into place, this is what we're going to do. We can't adhere to our respective customs that we are back home because we've been dislocated. Mm -hmm. So this is the new code of conduct we're going to create. And I could go on. My point is, is we created, despite our differences and the circumstances, circumstances, we created codes of conduct. Mm -hmm. Have we done that in today's realm? No, because we say, well, I can't do that because I'm Christian. Well, I can't do it because I'm Muslim. Well, I can't do that because I'm conservative. Well, I can't do that because I'm liberal. So I don't, I don't mess with those type of black people. And then, but then when it comes to racism, we're all the same victim. Whether you're liberal, conservative, whether you're Rasta, whether you're Pentecostal, whether you're Baptist, whether you're educated, uneducated, racism affects us equally. And until we recognize that, we will continue to be scatterplot. But the minute we come together and say, hmm, despite all those differences, just like despite our linguistic differences mm-hmm, mm-hmm. back in those respective places, our geographical differences, we need to create a universal understanding of uh, trying to codify and structure what our behavior looks like. So this is what I mean when we understand history, we understand reality, we have to take some of those themes and apply it to our present time so that we can see that it's not impractical and it's not even that far-fetched of a reality. This is what our ancestors did. So we're not, you're not stuck in the past. Yes, you know, you, you're not stuck you, in it. Like you said, some people are stuck in the past, yeah. so they almost uh, memorial, memorialize the past. Very good. It's all, you know. all about nostalgia. And yeah. so we, we are learning from the past. We, we learn the lessons from the past yes. and live in the future. To make well and live in the present, present excuse me, to, to make a better future. And so instead of living or being locked in the past mm-hmm. and almost mourning our present existence because we're looking, well, the past was almost the ideal. Yes. We say no, that was good. What they, they what they realized and what they what they came out of. Yes. And what we realize, no, we've got our own dreams. Yes. For not only our own present and our future. Yes. But we look back and say, well, what can we take? Mm-hmm. What lessons did they pass on so that we can dream our dreams and create our future? So let's talk about this. Um, I'm gonna let's this mutually accepted yeah. or acceptable code of conduct. Yes. So let's talk about, let's go through that. Okay. You know what I mean? Sometimes I like yeah. lists because, yeah. you know, it's there in front of us. Like it's you said, you know, when you go into an organization, you see the vision, mission, you know, the code yep. of conduct or yep. the, the culture, the values. Very good. Very good. And so let's talk about, and I, to me, I think this code of conduct, there are things we value. Yes. There are things that are very important to our existence. That's exactly what a code there of conduct There are things is. that yeah. pull us together and say, yes. you know what? We value where we're going so much we mm-hmm. value so much this dream mm-hmm. this passion we have to build strong black families mm-hmm. strong black communities yes. we want it to be successful and sustainable we mm-hmm. don't just want it to be good just for a season no we no. want this to get bigger and better we want longevity strong longevity yes. we want it and so um let's talk about this list let's let's okay. let's say number one let's, so, let's, so let's number, talk one, number one and i think you know and and this list is simply our opinion or even you yeah. know my opinion or our opinion it, yeah, just yeah. just as examples um you know and I, I really want the viewers and the listeners to understand that you know it's not about creating your own sort of list maybe you can create your own list for yourself mm-hmm. but what i'm trying to help us to understand is this can help possibly be a segue into a widespread conversation about what we as 
black people as African people are going to do in our respective circles that are fundamentally similar. So when we look at what could be a, a code of conduct uh, list for black people in Canada, first and foremost, because we have a different context than our black brethren and sistren in the States, we will recognize or we shall recognize our nationalities in conjunction with rather than in absence of our African heritage. Very good. What I mean by that, you mm -hmm. probably know where mm -hmm. I'm going. Mm -hmm. I have, we have no issue with you saying, well, I'm Trini, I'm Jamaican, I'm Nigerian, I'm from, you know, I'm Sierra Leone, whichever. So long as you're not rejecting your African, African heritage in the process, yeah. that you are not trying to hold on to this nationality mm -hmm. as if it came about without your African heritage yeah. right alongside it. So you recognize the we've got the um the unified root or the Very singular good. root the singular root See that's that? exactly it so that's so so i love that point one yes yeah. and that's point one i yeah. think that should be echoed throughout mm -hmm. our respect in whatever respective sphere right i love being jamaican but i love being african jamaican african mm -hmm. right recognizing mm -hmm. that there would be no jamaica mm -hmm. without first being african very good as an example Right. Second one is we will prioritize doing business with one another. And it's important because this is not to say that we don't do business with other communities. No, no, it's not saying right? that. Right. We're not saying no. that. We are simply saying your priority mm -hmm. is with the community. I know many other cultures that do business with other communities, but not before they first consult with their own exactly. community. Exactly. But also in that same breath, and this is what we talked about in the episode mm -hmm. with Brother Courtney Frazier, we as black people need to start populating other realms so that we don't have to go to other communities for those businesses. Mm -hmm. If we mm -hmm. oversaturate certain fields, it's going to be very difficult for me or anybody to remain committed to finding a black person in this field if there's very few of us to begin with. And those very few are over capacity, right? So... While we want to prioritize doing business with one another, we also want to prioritize entering into different fields that meet the various needs of our community. Very good. That's well stated. Thank yep. you. That's very right? well stated. So again, we that one we got to underscore. I think Have it also to. speaks to a positive mentality. Excellent. We have about one another in business. Yes. That we're not defaulting. Well, he's black, and so he's got. He doesn't have the the um, the, the high standards. It's not going to be as good quality. That's so it. we don't default to that anymore. No. But and by having that mentality, David, we're also making a certain demand of one another that a we are producing the very, very yeah, good. Oh, yeah, so we're producing the very best. Yes. That just be, let's say you're a black consumer, but you're expecting the best from me as a black businessman. Very good. And I'm going to produce the very best because of the way I think about you. You deserve the very, best. It has to be reciprocal. And I'm, yes. a, I'm so happy you brought that point because when you have that reciprocal relationship that the black consumer is presuming that you're going to, or should presume that you're going to give them the best service, the best product. Exactly. The black service provider should also expect that you are going to be a loyal customer exactly. and that you're going to treat them with the highest respect mm -hmm. and not have low expectations for what they can or can't provide. Excellent. Number three. Number three. We will prioritize, and this is a big one, marrying, loving, and caring for one another. Mm, and the reason I emphasize that is there's no issue in terms of who, well, 
on the, on the flip side, there may be an issue in terms of who you want to or not want to marry, care for, love, whomever. But we have to understand that the greatest commitment to our community is marriage and procreation, if possible, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the reason I emphasize that is because we know systematically that was the major institution that was decimated, or at least attempted to be decimated through colonialism Mm -hmm. and through enslavement, Mm -hmm. and even in some cases through segregation in terms of little subtleties. So when we say the importance of wanting to prioritize and not look down upon those who are in our community in terms of who you want to give your love to, who you want to procreate with, etc., it's in reference, it's in reminder that this was an institution that was attacked so aggressively. So the fact that it was attacked so aggressively has to make us think, well, there must be some power in it. And also then, if in the way you're looking at it, I can't help but think Mm -hmm. it's a reflection of how we see one another. Remember in part of, of, uh, I think the first episode, we talked about black is beautiful. Exactly. And so seeing one another, you're not just good enough for me to play around with. Mm Mm-hmm. No, you're Very beautiful good. and good enough for me to marry. To commit. To commit to. Very good. To be devoted to. To be devoted to. So Very those good. again, and that's a huge building block mm-hmm. for our community mm-hmm. where we have um, good, faithful men and women. Excellent. Committed to one another yes. in a marriage relationship, which also provides a loving environment and an atmosphere for our children to come in. That's beautiful. Which provides the security they exactly. need, the example, the valuing that they so need. That's exactly and, and of course that long term security. You know, beautiful. it creates the it's a in an it's um it's a, uh, an environment that helps them to think good about themselves. Exactly. They're being invested in, yes. they've been loved, exactly. they've been educated, they've been trained. And then, of course, if they see us relating to one another mm-hmm. in a marriage relationship in a good, faithful manner, they'll want to perpetuate the same thing. And you create a healthy cycle. Yes. You create a very healthy cycle. Very Excellent. good. Excellent. Number four. Number four. When one of oh, us Oh, I wins. wanted to say that one. Man, I want to say that. Oh, no. Okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. When one of us wins, we celebrate. When one of us loses, we mourn. Mm. Man, that's a beautiful one let me say it again yes say it again when one of us wins we we will celebrate yes i love that when one of us loses we will mourn i just love that david because it speaks to that i want you to succeed yep and and you've got to succeed so that's what we're putting in we're saying david we can't afford for you to lose yes you've got to win i love that because then if uh Imagine a community of people knowing that we're not building on the failure of others. No. No. You've got to succeed because mm-hmm. your success is my success. Yes. And then what it tells us is this. If you lose, no, it's temporary. Mm-hmm. We're going to get, we're going to pick you back up. Mm-hmm. We're going to do whatever it takes. Yes. To help you to win. Excellent. I just love that. Anyway, I just I just no, no, love I, that number it's four. It's one of my favorite excellent. as well. It's one of my excellent. favorite as well. Excellent, excellent. Number, number five, five. Our different economic, political, educational, religious, and otherwise will not supersede mm-hmm. our fundamentally similar African heritage. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that mm-hmm. is, as I alluded to earlier, 
regardless of our respected differences in mm -hmm. the different realms of our life, it doesn't take away from the fact that you're of African heritage, that you are African. Some would say, well, why is that relevant? Why that relation means nothing to me because if we think differently, then that makes no sense. But when we think again, from a military standpoint, when the enemy can pick on those divisive points, mm -hmm. That's how they overtake you. You don't have to like that other black person. Matter of fact, you don't even have to want to be around them per se. That may be individual black person. But if you can understand that they're in the same fight as you and that they oppress in the same way as you are, even if it's superficially you have at least a form of respect for one another. Mm -hmm. Say, you know what? You may like, you may vote conservative. You may have liked the fact that Trump was in office in, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, in the States, or you may have liked Stephen Harper. And I like Justin Trudeau, not me personally, but that person. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, yeah. But you know what? They will say, but you know, I can respect the fact that you're a black person. I'm a black person. We have the same enemy. Let's at least try to find some way we can find similarities to unite on, right? That is a level of maturity that's unmatched. Yeah. It doesn't mean we have to be best friends, mm -hmm. but it's when you see one another, you see that person. So you see them, you give mm -hmm. them a head nod. I'm not really a fan of you, but I respect you enough that on the outside looking in, they're not going to know. No, in addition to that, or complementing that, what mm -hmm. I see, though, is that our objective is to build one another. See, we're, we're building it. something. We're building families. We're building a community. Very good. We're, we're building, we could say, a nation, if you will. Yes. And so... We're not allowing anything to divide us. Nothing. Because we're seeing a singular objective. Yes. And then it reminds me of what, what's, what's interesting. Many people sometimes lose sight of this. When Jesus gave the Great Commission, I think it's interesting, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations. Yes. See? So that means he recognized nations. Yes. Think about this and their yes. boundaries. Now, another scripture in Acts chapter 17, I think it's Paul speaking. He says, God made from one blood or one man all nations. And he says, and he has given them their respective boundaries. Isn't that interesting? Wow, that's very interesting. So now when we're talking, when, when we mention that, that's what we're respecting. We're respecting the uniqueness of one another. Yes. We're not using that to divide us. No. But let's say on this African heritage, you know, mandate, if you will, we're saying, you know what? We're not going to allow peripheral issues, and many of them very important. Mm -hmm. We're not allowing that to cause us to demonize, to put down exactly. our African heritage. We're going to exactly. do whatever it takes to build. And again, when we do that, David, we're building people. See yeah. that? We're building families. We're building communities. Yep. We're building nations. We could that's say it. nations within that continent. I'm just saying that's if we it. go no, back to that. That's it. That's it. And so um, that's, that's what, so, that's number, number five. That was number five. Number, number six. six. The delivery and formulation oh, like of the one. education of our children shall not be in any other community's hands but our own. So again, that's Personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. That's what I hear. It is non-negotiable. There is no justification in the world as to why we are reliant on any other community but our own to educate and grow 
and turn into responsible peoples in our respective communities to for that responsibility to be in the hands of anybody else who's not black. Let me give an example. Just might fit in there. Yes. Um, I don't think I've shared this with you. When we came to this country and uh, a couple of years later, I was in going into grade nine. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I'm not sure how it is now. They had two levels. You had advanced and general. Okay, now it's academic applied or vocational. Okay, so there are yeah. three levels. Back then it was two levels. Yeah, but actually I think they I'm made dating it myself. So anyway, <laughs> so now yes. if you went into the um, general level, mm -hmm. doesn't mean you're less smart, but then you would you'd be streamed into streamed, a yes. certain level. Yes. You could maybe get into college, but you'd have to go into applied or trades or yes. different other things. And nothing wrong with any profession. Don't no. get me wrong. No, but. If you, you wouldn't be allowed to go into university mm -hmm. because you wouldn't have taken the necessary courses. Yes. So grade nine, guidance counselor says to me, remember, doesn't really know me, mm -hmm. says to me, you need to take general courses. Hmm. Now, at that time, mm -hmm. and up until even more recently in my work with people in the black community, many black people, we're told the same thing. Yep. We're told, you know what? You can't yep. handle that level of instruction. Yes. You don't have the analytical you don't capacity. Have, you you don't, don't have that. Yep. Remember, they told me That's that. Told, yep. Now, somehow, even without my parents knowing, I said, no, I'm going to take academic, courses. academic courses. Yes. Now, how many black people, black young people, young men and women, bright, inventive, creative their future was stymied or limited because that's someone else that's it took charge of their education educational potential that's exactly so it. that's what this is when we say the delivery and formulation of the education of our children shall not be in any other community's hands but our own and to even add to that this is why it's important in order to avoid detriments like that, why we need to work towards creating not only our own curriculum, mm -hmm. but creating our own institution, whether right. that looks like in a building form or something that's structured and systemized, mm -hmm. because that is the future of our children. We cannot talk about freedom for black people, but don't want to leave, we, but we don't want to relinquish the white man's curriculum. Mm -hmm. It's an absolute contradiction. I'm not saying we can't make adjustments in of the course. interim, mm -hmm. but because that's all about but the have, truth. Have feedback and input into it. Into it, yes. as well as you concurrently are trying to create, create. and manifest your own. Exactly. I'm, I, I need to say this too, though. Yes. Because to do justice right now where many of you live, of our, of our listeners live, it's making sure as parents you're yes. fully engaged in yes. your children's education. I've so got to say this. I was, in, uh, I, was in, I was asked to be part of a parenting um, deal in helping parents in a certain school. Mm -hmm. It's a school of, I mean, we're talking of maybe a couple thousand. Mm -hmm. On parent-teacher night, mm -hmm. there wasn't even a score of parents showing up. So I'm just saying heartbreaking. we've got to be fully engaged no matter if we're working two jobs, I know you're doing your best, yep. but you've got to do whatever it takes. To prioritize your children's you can't, education. And you can't find out, I'm saying this, you can't find out in June 
that your child has failed. No. When they were failing from January. Thank you. And I've seen that. Yep. 30%. Someone said 30%. Again, 30%. I said, how could that happen? And you're living with your parents. Yep. You've got to be fully engaged. Sorry, David. No, no problem. We had to say that. 100%. And last two, because I know we have to wrap up soon. Number seven. We shall practice unconditional love towards members in our community. And I quickly just want to say... It goes to addressing some of the earlier points about our differences and things along those lines. And even when it comes to doing business with one another, mm-hmm. this is not to say we're not going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. Yeah. We're going to have differing arguments. But you have to have the same level of unconditional love that you'll have for that boss who will disrespect you from morning till night, yet you'll work at that company for 30 years, 15 years, 20 mm. years. You will have that teacher disrespect you, that principal disrespect you, and you'll tolerate it for all four years of high school or all 12 years of elementary. But the minute one black person says something that you don't like, all of a sudden, you're wiping your hands of them clean. Not okay. We need to recognize that that is not okay. We need to have start having some unconditional Excellent. love for our people. I love that. The last, and the Number last eight. one, which I think helps to fill in this gap of what happens if you are disrespected beyond human comprehension, beyond, I should say, um, reconciliation. We shall carry forth sanctioned consequences for those who, in any way, shape, or form, violate the lives of That's members excellent. of our community. This is not just solely those on the outside of our community. This is also within. We have to understand that in order to create strong, healthy, black families, we have to understand there are people who are unwell. They're going to do things that mm-hmm. maybe they would mm-hmm. not have done mm-hmm. in their right mind, and we need to treat them. But there needs to be consequences. And then there's others, unfortunately, who may be malicious. There's others who may have been predatory, who may want to exploit members of our community because, unfortunately, they become so yeah. backwards and degenerate in, in a sense that they're no longer of use to us. This happens in any community, mm-hmm. right? When we look at the Chinese Cultural Revolution, they got rid of a lot of members of their community who were so backwards because of their adherence to the British, Right? That was in the Chinese culture. Similar thing happened in the Indi- in, in Indian cultures, right? Similar thing, similar thing happened in Pakistan cultures, right? Same thing happened in various indigenous cultures where you have people in your community that unfortunately become of no use because they're so backwards, so vile that you can't even you, you can't even now fathom their behavior. You have to remove them. So well, so detrimental. So to, detrimental to the objective of our community. To the objective building. of our community, you have to remove them. There has to be some sort of sanctioned consequences back to the unity the you the, exactly. the, the 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 understanding that we are not going to tolerate this this doesn't mean this goes back to the unconditional piece we recognize when it's malicious or when it is simply a teachable moment but we also recognize there's right. certain the rules and conditions that need to be adhered to and if you don't and that's really part of self-governance again very good in conclusion essentially in, yeah. so those are examples of a code of conduct to try to structure our community. Are there some that may have, we may have missed? Can you think of what mm-hmm. that would look like in your everyday life? That is excellent. This is what we're trying to do. We're trying to build, rebuild strong, cohesive black communities. And so, Carl, I close us out. I think that's a beautiful way to end our That's season. excellent. So as we close out our um, first season of Rebuilding the Black Family, we want to say thank you so much um, for your attention, for you even tuning in for every podcast, also sharing it, liking it, our content, subscribing to our podcast. 
we want to thank you for um, just being so engaged in the, the comments, the feedback you've given. And we trust that you've been informed, enlightened, and inspired by every episode. And as we begin to even prepare for season number two, um, we welcome your thoughts. We welcome your comments. We welcome maybe um, suggestions, recommendations for maybe program topics you'd like us to discuss and address. And um, David, it's been a real pleasure. And a real Thank pleasure you, to um, to do this. And uh, again, we're really looking forward to season two. Yes. And remember, as I always say, it is the truth that makes us free. So we're signing off for season one. We look forward to seeing you Beautiful. in season two. <laughs>